Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The Ontario Chamber of Commerce recently released a report calling on all three levels of government to tackle the affordable housing crisis. Some people might wonder why a business organization is producing reports on housing. In this interview, Port Hope Chamber of Commerce Chief Executive Officer Brenda Whitehead will dive into that mystery. It has a lot to do with workers unable to live in the communities where they work. This was not an issue in the past because people were expected to commute to jobs. Now, there is nowhere that is cheap to live and is expensive to commute. So, It is vital communities create housing where people can once again live and work. This is only one of a host of other issues being raised by the Chamber. You will also learn about some initiatives going on in Port Hope to address workforce development and other projects that are meant to deal with issues raised by the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. It's really nice to have back Brenda Whitehead, CEO of the Port Hope Chamber of Commerce, Thanks, Robert, and thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to share what's going on out here in the world with uh, you and the rest of the community. When most people think about the Chamber of Commerce, they think about this group that represents the business in the community. What does affordable housing have to do with running a business? Housing on its own is, you know, starting to reach crisis points uh, within the province. And I think the biggest thing, has to do with the buying power of households and the um, business's ability to attract and retain talent. And, you know, just the exasperating amount of homelessness that's happening in the community, it all has a direct impact on our economy, our quality of life, who we are, where we are, and in our communities. And I think that's why the Ontario Chamber of Commerce uh, banded together across the province to create uh, the policy statements that they have. Before we get into some of the things that you just talked about, are there any developers who belong to the Chamber of Commerce? Uh, We do have, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think. We have over 200 members here in Port Hope. I I know that developers belong to chambers of commerce all across uh, the province and the country. And I know that when I went to Ottawa and sat in on a round table of people from Eastern Ontario, there was a nice healthy blend of developers, not-for-profit housing corporations. It was a really good blend of agencies, uh, services, and organizations that work directly in the housing industry. So I would say, yes, there are developers. I'm can't off the top of my head think of any that are members of our chamber directly. Was the genesis then of this report from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, was it driven by developers? 
I think uh, the biggest thing is that um, we as Chambers of Commerce, you know, in the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, they represent about 60,000 businesses uh, across the province. And there has been this huge um, issue with regards to labor force, labor force availability uh, with, you know, the fact that we can't get talent, especially in smaller communities. Uh, it's been resonating louder and louder. And a lot of people were pushing it towards, you know, the lovely pandemic that we're working our way out of. And the reality is coming into place that uh, the housing and the fact that it's all levels of government that impact housing, not just municipal, provincial, or federal. And that's where the Ontario Chamber of Commerce banded together at the request and the drive from the membership saying, what are we going to do to help our labor markets? What are we going to do to help with our uh, buying power so that we can continue to grow the economy? Were you at all involved with any of the consultations that took place in, in the formation of this report? Actually, Robert, um, we were invited uh, to participate and we included a number of our local organizations and agencies in the discussion. Um, we did attend as the Port Open District Chamber of Commerce and, and there was representatives uh, from the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors that went to Ottawa uh, for the roundtable discussions. What came out of those discussions? Can you tell us a bit of the details of what got said around the table? It You know, it was a really interesting group because there were, like I say, there were not-for-profit housing groups uh, from Prince Edward County. There were big, you know, developers from Ottawa. There was the 3D printer house guy. Um, he was sitting at the table. There was lots of discussion around supply and demand and, um, you know, some of the things that most people are fully aware of. It was a really good mix of different representatives uh, from different uh, situations with regards to housing and concern. One of the greatest things that came out of the one in Ottawa was the fact that there were a number of rural representatives there. And once there was discussion around supply and demand and where to put things in infrastructure, uh, we stood and we mentioned to them the fact about things like the labor force and the fact that there, we have to think about the mid and the affordable housing. Uh, you know, people who work frontline in Port Hope can't afford to live in Port Hope. Uh, you know, they're they're looking for some of the shared accommodation and those kinds of things. We talked about a couple of the other infrastructure issues too, like transportation in rural Ontario, like childcare. You know, without having childcare spaces, nobody can go and fill some of those gaps because. They, you know, it's more affordable for them to be at home taking care of their children and there are no spaces. So even if they were to have, you know, some skill sets, they they don't have a place that uh, they can send their kids uh, for childcare here in this community. So there's no attraction to bring skilled um, people from a housing perspective because let alone there aren't enough houses and spaces, but when you don't have those other infrastructure supports like transportation and childcare, then um, it it just adds to the inertia of problem. In the report, it says that 68% of organizations in Ontario face a labor shortage. Do you know of any cases in Port Hope where this is an issue? 
Well, funny enough, we're working on a project right now with the municipality called the Balanced Employment Initiative. Uh, it'll be another press release we'll send out in a couple of months when we've got our full report done. But we've actually been doing research trying to identify within our community where the actual gaps are. There have been huge gaps in areas like hospitality and tourism, like healthcare, uh, construction and skilled talent uh, within that sector. We also have heard from uh, the aquatics, uh, parks and recreation, you know, a lot of the frontline work that is showing uh, 68%. I, I would say that um, there are definite gaps within the Port Hope district as well. It's really interesting. You mentioned aquatics and, and recreation. What are you talking about there? Can you flesh well, that out a bit? Yeah, I mean, one of the findings, I know Parks and Recreation Ontario just did a study and it indicated that, um, you know, aquatics, there was no aquatics training happening during the pandemic. So there aren't a lot of uh, lifeguards that are fully trained. Uh, Parks and Recreation staff, frontline, especially working in programs, just like hospitality and tourism staff, they don't make uh, a lot of money in any um, given hour. Uh, so they they tend to not be filling those positions because people need to be able to eat and afford housing, you know, and those kinds of things. So things like the summer camp programs um, regionally, again, across the province and across the country, it's not as easy to attract the staff uh, to take those short-term uh, lower paying positions. Do you have any stories that you can share of, of a business in Port Hope that might be a, a really good example of this ability to attract and, and retain talent? Um, I don't exactly have that document right here in front of me to pull one out and say, hey, this business is doing fantastic. But I would say that there are a number of um, small manufacturing businesses um, that do a fair job of uh, pulling in and attracting and training talent. And that's one of the things that our Balanced Employment Initiative program is going to address. And those are the things we can do to better retain staff. So it talks about things like training for employees, but also training for employers so they understand who their labor market is. It's also, you know, about uh, paying a wage that people can live, you know, the the living wages, you know, obviously for full-time positions, but even in part-time situations, you know, people have to be able to eat and, and um, house themselves and make sure that the base of Maslow's hierarchy is being met. Um, so there are a number of small manufacturing businesses that are doing okay. There's a couple of hospitality and tourism businesses that if you're work in that sector, there's definite places that you want to go and work because that employer has um, set those uh, markers for success. It's interesting, as you're talking about this, there's a lot of economic factors that are being uh, alluded to. Uh, we're talking about the difference between a minimum wage and a living wage. We're talking about in, the impacts of inflation on on incomes so that it, things are quote unquote affordable and, and you, you can live. One of the things that came out of the report are, is the construction sector was is being particularly hard hit in terms of its ability to to overcome uh, uh, labor shortages. Can you talk a bit about that? Um, I would say that uh, 
there's there's a couple of different factors, you know, when it comes to the the teams that are available to help uh, with the housing crisis. And um, when you talk about skilled trades and and that kind of thing, um, trades as a whole have been on a downward spiral. And, you know, the current provincial government and the federal government are trying to put things in place and have been, uh, you know, for the last little while around how to provide good training and retraining um, to foster talent in the next generation, um, as well as um, to expand learning models and that kind of stuff for even some who may be working but are looking for a job change. And, you know, one of the things that comes up uh, repeatedly is the um, talent development and the workforce development. It's also, um, you know, trying to streamline and simplify applications into trades. And it's a lot of uh, steps and processes that this report is recommending that the province and the feds work together to eliminate um, the, you know, to address the overall labor shortages, filling gaps in the skilled trades, you know, um, working with immigrants and the immigration um, groups. And, you know, that will help to make sure that uh, the job vacancies don't stay heightened in that sector. I'd like to talk about immigration because I, I know that's another aspect of the report. What do we see in terms of immigrant workers coming to Port Hope to fill the labor shortages? Um, I don't know that we have a large number of immigrant workers. We've obviously had, you know, some of our Ukraine, um, you know, the Ukraine families who have come in. Some have found um, employment. There's there's a number of barriers that automatically are implied, everything from language to finances to transportation. I mean, those are all uh, big things that uh, come into play from a workforce development standpoint, right? Housing and childcare. Um, combined with transportation are the three biggest things that affect uh, your labor and your workforce, uh, your workforce team and, and their ability to um, get to work and, and be effective in the workplace. Is this something that your study that you're doing with the municipality, is this something you're looking at in addressing? Uh, not immigration directly. Um, because it hasn't been fully identified as a whole in the stuff that we're working on. International students is another area that the report alludes to in terms of bringing labor into the community. Now, we know that Loyalist College is opening up a campus in Port Hope. How is that going to impact, first of all, the housing market? And second of all, is it going to address the, the labor shortage? Robert, I wish I had that answer for you, but I don't. Um, I know that uh, Loyalist College has been asked that question at the number of open houses that um, they have had. I know that they are working on some simple solutions like conversion of a couple of buildings within the community to add uh, residence-like uh, homes for uh, students. I know that in Belleville, they run a matching program. So they match students with seniors who live at home uh, so that there's a good boarding situation uh, that happens. I know they've talked about doing that here. I, I do think that, um, you know, it, it's hard 
because it's going to add a whole different level of, of um, need for housing within our community. And I know that um, there are a lot of best practices and there's probably more things that need to be shared with regards to maximizing occupancy um, and neighborhoods, things like co-living and co-ownership and, um, you know, working matchmaker services like Loyalist has been doing uh, in in Belleville. Um, but is this also going to, though, address uh, a labor shortage need uh, because there'll be all these students, they'll obviously want to be working to, you know, obviously help pay for their education and their expenses. Yep. How is it going to impact the labor market now, that other piece that we were talking about earlier? Uh, well, hopefully it will help to, um, you know, help to fill some of those gaps because if they're going to school here and they're living here, they're obviously going to be, as you said, looking for somewhere to work so that they can help offset some of their costs. So, um, you know, ideally college and university students, um, they're okay with working in hospitality and tourism in the retail sector, in some of those uh, more short-term uh, grassroots entry-level positions. So, I mean, ideally, if they're living here, uh, they'll want to work here, and that should help to address some of the vacancy and need. Another thing you alluded to earlier, which is also in the report, is this idea of workforce development. So what are chambers looking for in this area? I think that there are a number of different uh, things that can happen uh, from a workforce development. Again, a lot of promotion around the skilled trades, whether you're a big city or a small community, skilled trades are needed. And uh, so we need to really look at skilled trades as viable employment options. We need to look at, um, as I indicated, training and retraining opportunities for the next generation. Um, it could be anything from, you know, sustainable technology to modular construction. There's even, you know, mention of 3D printed housing, tiny homes, looking at things a little bit more innovatively. Um, so that we can fill some of the gaps with regards to workforce development, but also provide affordable housing so that we can continue to build the workforce itself. One of the things that is in the report is this aspect of developing uh, more openness to working with uh, smaller communities within the larger community. For example, the queer community or the okay. racialized community or people with disabilities. What is Port Hope doing, if anything, to encourage businesses to be hiring a more diverse workforce? Uh, that will be one of the outcomes of the Balanced Employment Initiative when we talked about training for employers. Um, so one of the things we're looking at are what skill sets do um, employers need to look at, um, you know, whether it be things with regards to mental health, whether it be to understanding, you know, a different generation of people, whether it be encouraging, uh, you know, the hiring and creating your own policies around diversity, equity and inclusion so that you look at things, you know, a little bit differently. I know that the, um, you know, there's even the aging population. You know, people have retired a lot younger. COVID encouraged people to leave work a little bit earlier. You know, in some cases, they decided not to go back because they knew that they could uh, handle being away from the workplace. Um, and I know that there are initiatives around age-friendly um, hiring and hiring those who are um, a little bit older to do some of these more 
um, frontline and skilled trade uh, because they come already ready with stuff. So I, I do think that it's a whole avenue of hiring and exploration that uh, the community, you know, Port Hope and all across Northumberland and Durham region are really starting to look at because those are pockets of population uh, that can help to uh, deal with the workforce development. The Ontario Chamber of Commerce report describes everything from homelessness to market housing. It seems to get right down into the weeds on so many levels. Can you talk about the importance of why, from a business perspective, it's necessary for communities to offer a range of housing alternatives and why this is something that they even care about? Well, I think it it has to do with, as you said, you know, the continuum, um, because um, building and preserving the right types is critical. Um, housing development targets do don't fully reflect different household incomes and compositions. Um, you know, different levels of government and industry are not even aligned on the definition of affordable housing. Right. Um, you know, some people refer to affordable housing as, you know, for those who require geared to income housing. Um, it's generally considered affordable if it's 30 percent of household income before any kinds of taxes. The issue right now is that um, they use more market based valuations to determine affordability um, as they, you know, to help fill supply gaps we have to focus on the missing middle housing, right? Because I don't know about you, but I have a 22 year old living at my house who has a great job, but may never be able to, um, you know, put himself out there because the middle, the missing middle housing isn't there. We also have to look at the lower end of the housing continuum because um, community housing is suited to provide deep long-term affordability, but it's also critical to leverage the strengths of the private, the public and the nonprofit sectors because affordable housing development is something that needs to um, be part of that continuum. Um, so it's new housing, but it's also preserving existing housing stock and maybe even converting some of the existing housing or existing buildings to allow for more housing. They're talking, you know, millions of houses in the next 10 years in this province. There is an appeal for the creation of strategic plans to address the housing supply at all three levels of government, municipal, provincial and federal. Now, the last time I checked, these were all things on the to do list for local politicians. Why does the chamber feel it needs to get its oar in the water on this level of detail? I I honestly believe it's because we are the voice of business, you know, locally, uh, regionally, provincially, and federally. Chambers of Commerce and Boards of Trade represent uh, the economy. We are the voice of, of the business community, and, and we work with all three levels of government. And I think what happens is every now and then, subject matters come up that cause a lot of consternation in communities, a lot of stress in communities. It doesn't matter whether you're in Port Hope or whether you're in downtown Toronto or whether you're in Kenora in Northern Ontario, housing is an issue across the province. And there are so many different levels to who's responsible for what when it comes to housing. Municipalities have you know, certain responsibilities, province has certain responsibilities, and the federal government has certain responsibilities. So this is a natural fit for us as 
local, regional, and provincial and federal um, chambers of commerce organizations, you know, the, the chamber network together to say to those three levels of government, these are things you all have to be doing to coordinate. You alluded to this uh, just a moment ago, and I, I want to come back to it. And that's the number of statistics that are in the report where it's suggesting that there are huge projected needs for additional housing. To meet this demand, it's going to take infrastructure. It's going to take water and sewers and roads and so forth. All this is money that comes from taxes. Yet the business community is one of the groups that so often complains about the high level of taxation. How do you square that circle? I think you just said it. You can't really square a circle <laughs> and you can't really circle a square. But I do think that, um, you know, the I mean, the province has set the target of one point five million homes by 2031. That's the number that's in the report. And that's the number, um, you know, that they have talked about. And, you know, there's currently one point two five potential homes in the municipal development pipeline. So already, you know, under negotiation, talking about, you know, those kinds of things. I think um, it's 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 really hard um, because there has to be, you know, lots of those different infrastructure things, especially, you know, from a cost perspective. Um, it, I mean, I don't know how uh, they can balance it out. The businesses are obviously taxed higher than the houses, but if you have more houses, you know, you can you can offset, you know, some of the tax base. So I, I guess what I'm trying to find out is, are you saying business is now prepared to pay more than it's paying now so that we can ensure that there are, you know, water filtration plants and sewers and roads and all those things that we're going to need to build this housing, to meet this demand, to solve these problems that business has. I mean, are, are they prepared to put the money on the table? Well, I, I think that um, those that are aligned with this sector, so the developers and the builders, you know, and that kind of stuff, they know that they themselves are responsible for uh, the building of uh, some of those assets, um, you know, from a development, uh, from a development perspective. Um, I think that um, it all comes down to some of the land use planning. So making sure that there's a balance to help pay for some of those things. I don't think anybody wants to say to the businesses, you know, in the business community, you're going to pay more taxes so that we can offset housing, you know, to bring more people into the community. I think that the municipalities are going to have to, you know, be creative in working with the developers and the province and the feds to make sure that this stuff happens. Uh, I was just going to say provincial government has set up a system now where developers are going to be you know, paying less than before. They're, they're not letting municipalities collect and create reserve accounts for things. And a lot of municipalities are panicked because they're just not going to have the same revenue from, from the development stream. So money's got to come from somewhere. Yes, it does. And I think that's why um, the OCC took the three the three prong approach, you know, municipal, provincial and federal have to talk to each other um, if they're going to make this happen and, and deal with the housing crisis, then they're going to have to review the infrastructure. They're going to have to align the targets and the regulations and the approval process and the dollars and cents where it's coming from. You know, it can't come out of pocket from one to offset, you know, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, it has to uh, work for everybody. 
Are you sending this report to Port Hope Council? It has been sent to uh, it has been sent to all three levels of government directly from um, our mailbox. So um, it's been sent to the the mayor and council. It's been sent to the um, MPP and Minister of Environment, Conservation and Parks, and it's been sent to our local MP as well. And Northumberland County. Uh, I believe I would think so. If it hasn't, it will be when we're done. Uh, what do you expect them to do with it? I would I would like to think that they would do, you know, three things. One is take a look at the recommendations that their level of government. Um, I would hope that it would start conversations amongst the three levels of government, especially here. We're very lucky in Northumberland County because people want to do what's right and and do what's best. And they're not afraid to work together to make things happen. Uh, so hopefully we can be, you know, a bit of a, a example uh, to the rest of the province on things that can happen uh, if uh, small communities work together. How far is the Port Hope Chamber of Commerce prepared to push this agenda? Uh, at this point in time, we... Um, we haven't really positioned ourselves um, with it. We know that it is um, a situation here in Northumberland. Uh, we try to stay on top of, uh, you know, the situation and the picture, um, you know, some of the different efforts and energies that are being uh, put out uh, within Northumberland County. We do have a couple of uh, recommendations and suggestions that will be coming up uh, probably early fall with regards to, um, you know, some of the processes uh, with regards to development and that kind of stuff uh, uh, within uh, Port Hope and across the county. So I think we will push as long as it needs pushing. So on a local level, if I've heard you correctly, you, you're talking about a study that's being done right now to look at labor shortage, labor force development. You've also just alluded to a, another something that is going to happen in the fall. Can you maybe more clearly articulate for us what are these steps locally that are going to happen and what, what should we be looking for uh, as a community from both yourselves and, and uh, the municipal governments in terms of responding to this report? Uh I, I would say that the Balanced Employment Initiative um, will be moving forward, identifying, um, you know, some of the gaps uh, from an employee and employer standpoint, as well as working with community partners to deliver, you know, some levels of training and addressing some of the labor shortage things that have been brought up um, in this housing report. Uh, with regards to the other um, initiatives that could be coming in the fall, um, we're kind of on a wait and see because we know there are some, import hope anyways, we know there are some studies and stuff being done uh, with the new council that is in place here, you know, things like the economic development strategic plan, um, you know, uh, those types of things uh, before we say these are the things that um, we're going to push forward for. Um, we do know that um, there are, you know, some things happening in the development phases um, in Port Hope that um, we may want to help um, push the policy a little bit. Um, but until we see what some of the outcomes are, I can't really um, identify what the exact steps are going to be. Brenda Whitehead.
Thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, you're welcome, Robert, and thank you. And to anybody who's out there who, um, you know, if you have any concerns or issues with things that are happening at the um, municipal, provincial, or federal level with regards to the economy and with regards to uh, business, please uh, reach out to your local chamber of commerce. Uh, we are here to provide great reports like this that are done you know, at the provincial level. And um, we're also, um, you know, willing to listen and see what we can do to help you and be the voice of business for you. Thanks so much. That was Brenda Whitehead, CEO of the Port Hope Chamber of Commerce. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.